0: Don't just be a part of the industry. Redefine it.
1: Visit cpfcoaching.com for more information. Discover the leader within. Contact CPF Coaching LLC today and schedule your strategic session.
2: Hey, security peeps. This is Renee Small back again in our Breaking into Cybersecurity webinar podcast series. And I am here with a fabulous, my fabulous co-host, Chris Fulon. Chris, say hi to
1: the crew. Hey, everyone.
2: Hey, and then I'm also here with Shivani Karakar. Shivani, say hi to everyone. Hi. And Shivani is with us. She's actually here in the DC metro area, which is awesome. And she has an amazing background. And I can't wait for her to jump in and tell us all about how she became the person that she is today, which is cybersecurity analyst. So Shivani's doing some awesome work in incident response, you know, making sure she responds to those incidents in like a couple of minutes, two to three minutes as soon as they come in. So Shivani, talk to us, tell us about your background, how you got into the cybersecurity space, how you became even interested in cyber, and then we'll go from there.
3: Okay, great. Uh, So when I was a kid, I believe me and my sister would always like pass notes to each other. And that was a common thing Like we all would do that to just share information without anybody ever trying to see it. However, it was easy when somebody would just pick up that note and read it. So we came across this one book. Um, It was about mathematics, but they had a cipher in there. So it was called Pigpen Cipher. And what they did is what they just converted every letter into a symbol. And it was easy to, like, you know, cipher and decipher it. We just used that to, like, talk to each other when nobody would know what we're talking about, but we could just still have a conversation. So that was really fun to see that, We were sharing this in plain sight and nobody knew what we were talking about. So that was interesting just growing up. I wasn't like, I wasn't aware that that was cryptology. So after growing up, I realized that, hey, this is cybersecurity. This is how you can keep your information secure when you want your privacy. So that was kind of interesting. I did do a lot of business before. So I transitioned from the business side to the IT side and now I'm in cybersecurity.
1: A uh, funny side story about the Pigpen cipher. Um, uh, Renee and I were recently at Besides Nova, and one of the challenges that they had there is that they they had a speaker that talked about um, cryptography, and mm-hmm. they had within the symbol of the conference they had a Pigpen mm-hmm. cipher, and the audience members had to figure out what it said to solve oh. the challenge.
3: Oh wow! That that must have been fun.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely.
3: If come, They also had... The B side. Yeah. I love B sides. They also had something similar in escape rooms. So I think they always have, like, different puzzles that I give you. So it's really interesting to keep in touch with that side.
1: So what made you switch from the business side um, to cybersecurity?
3: So the first jump was into the development side, more... Um, more into like just the entire IT domain instead of just cybersecurity focusing Mm -hmm. because an increase um, with computers being involved in your day-to-day operations. So when I was doing anything business related, I had to know the technology. I had to know like several tools and it just got me curious about how far can I take this? And I think there are so many resources out there uh, that it's not really hard to just watch a video and get really hooked on to things. So I think it was just some Coursera courses that I Mm -hmm. went through uh, that got me more interested in uh, IT in general.
1: Uh, Which aspect of IT did you first start in?
3: So the first thing I did was the easy WordPress websites because they're like the easiest way in, I would think. So it doesn't like really um, scare you, but you also can play with it. So I made websites with WordPress, Joomla, um, and then I went on to making iOS apps. And it was really fun to just have something that you can instantly see uh, instead of some tasks that can take months and months, and then you don't see anything, um, like any effect. So the websites and apps made me feel like I was a comp. And then security side interested me because I felt like data security was not taken as seriously. So, when I was making websites, it, it could have been easy for anybody. Oh. Sorry, can you see me?
1: Yeah, we can we can still hear you. Um, we can't see you, but um, that's definitely interesting. As, as you can see it, for example, Facebook, a big mm-hmm. as big company as it is, um, they just got um, public ready. Ridic- publicly ridiculed for storing their backend oh, yeah. usernames and passwords in plain text. So Plain text. Uh, exactly. So it's definitely critical to have. Um, what regards to your journey? So you went from web development to iOS. Where did you go next?
3: Um, so after that, I started going to hackathons and CTFs. Um, there was, uh, the first one, I think, was by SecureSet. Um, it was really interesting because they actually had their CDF, which was really cool to know that because I had an impression that you would have to be an expert in some kind of meetup and mm-hmm. try to participate. But that was really encouraging. After going to like many of the less, you actually don't have to be an expert. You can just go in, and most of the ex- people are really friendly and they will help you out. So the CTFs uh, were just different challenges that they gave us to break into websites and uh, get all the flags. Um, That was really cool. Then I started learning about Kali Linux. Um, So I think like a little like step-by-step that got Mm -hmm. me closer and closer to security. And then I thought it was, you know, time to just get do the professionally instead of as a hobby.
1: Oh, So,
2: Shivani, I think you accidentally um, put your video thing on, or clicked your video off, and I can't seem to get you back on the video. We can hear you, though.
3: Yeah, I believe I wasn't even using my mouse pad. I'm not. have sure a little button.
2: It's weird. In any event, Chris, <laughs> you got to jump in.
1: Um. So. You were, so you were doing more Kali Linux. Um, What what role were you doing um, working at this time? Were you, was that um, all for fun or were you still in a traditional business role at the time?
3: Yeah. So when I was trying to pick up on uh, these tools on the side, I was doing most of the business tasks and some IT. Um, So it wasn't completely like a professional IT focused role um however i think it did give me an advantage because my last company and they are a training provider so it exposed me to a lot of it concepts and like networking with other people um easily so i could be in touch with that side and it grew on me um instead of you know just being on the business side completely so i was doing half and half
1: yeah. Okay. Okay. And then, what what was that pivot point um, that made you want to change from what you're doing um, to something security focused?
3: So uh, it was, I think, when I felt like I had more interest in there because when I was um, about cybersecurity through online courses, more and more chapters started making sense to me and got me more interested. Then I started to uh, take more, I guess, tangible steps. So I would more certifications now. And then after that, try to get a job in there. So I was planning more towards it because it kept building up. So the first one um, I, I mean, the first one I started with was AWS, but after that I got security plus and CEH. So okay. it was, um, I think it just kept, it, it never decreased after that.
1: Okay. Um, and then you started applying for security roles. What was that journey like? Yeah.
3: So I think one thing that I was under the impre- impression because I'm an immigrant, so I moved here in 2014 and just learning a lot of things um, might take, it, it takes a long time to understand what works and what doesn't. So I had heard that you're supposed to apply online um, on job or boards or on the websites, but I feel like a lot of times they don't even get, uh, like people don't even notice and these applications don't really go anywhere. And it always feels like they're going into a black hole, except like of course there's some exceptions, but uh, I would say for the majority of it, I have never had any success with that. Um, I think most of my success came out of meetups and um, different Slack channels. So I went to like, I went to meetups at least once a week when I was uh, job hunting and also like went to job fairs. But then I started increasing the meetup more than job fairs because they would get a lot of um, resumes and they would, I think they would have like a backlog because one job fair would give you like 50 resumes and then you can't follow up with each and every one of them. But at a meetup, you have like that one-on-one connection. Mm -hmm. So you are able to like network a little more deeply. Mm And also, um, the Slack channel that I use the most is Women Who Code DC Slack mm-hmm. channel. They have uh, a job um, ch- group in there where they post jobs very actively. And I was surprised to see that because a lot of people start have these initiatives, but it's hard to like follow through. But it's a really good community, so that was really helpful. And just in general, I feel like if I apply somewhere, I'm, it's... I used to just be uh, like patient and wait to get a response. But I feel like now I've understood that I would need to take active steps in following up. Um, so I know that it can be hard sometimes when you don't have a point of contact, but I just go on LinkedIn and try to see which recruiters are in that area for that company and send them a note and say, Hey, I've applied for this position if you have a you know, if you are the right person and if you have a minute, could you please let me know if I'm a, good fit for that, but that went a long way for me because like, of course there were some recruiters who were just like, no, not the right person or they wouldn't respond. But even if out of 10, I got one response, it was better closure for me. And a lot of them directed me in the right places. So it was much better than online applications that just send you an automated response saying, hey, we regret to inform you, blah, blah, blah. So that
2: was helpful. Shivani, that's very helpful for people because two things right, that that you touched on, the Slack channels, which I know are um, really popular right now. But I don't think anyone so far that we've spoken to has talked about, you know, applying through Slack channels um, and getting opportunities through Slack channels. So I'm, I'm really happy that you talked about that one. And then also, obviously, with doing the follow-up, Um, And not only when you did go to, well, secondly, the meetups, which is fantastic. Uh You know, Chris and I always talk about the networking opportunities when you go to these various conferences. Whenever you can meet a human being, someone face-to-face, and it's not, like you said, going into a black hole, Uh it's always a thousand times better. And then, um, like you said, you increased your... uh, your attendance at the various meetups, which I try to, I tell people that all the time too, like just keep going and going so they know you, they know your face, they know your name, they, Mm. you know, eventually you will get something. And Mm. then um, the follow up piece is so critical because, you know, me being a recruiter, I get hundreds, like sometimes my email, I open up LinkedIn, between LinkedIn and email, there are literally hundreds of emails daily. And it's, you know, some hiring managers, HR people, um, candidates, it's like so much. And Mm -hmm. so people totally slip through the cracks. And sometimes, you know, they might, a candidate from a candidate perspective, they might be like, oh, the recruiter isn't following up or paying attention or whatever. But anytime, you know, when somebody pings me two, three times, then I'm like, okay, I have to follow up with this person because clearly they you know, I have to yeah. shift my attention, so I'm glad yeah. you made that point that you did follow up and, like you said, when you you know you didn't get offended, like you reach out to ten, you get a response from one. Yeah, that's cool. If you don't get a response, you don't, but you did your piece, which is um,
1: which is huge.
2: Yes.
3: For yeah, I understand. Regard.
1: Like, sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. Continue. Sorry. <laughs>
3: okay. Yeah, so I was just saying on that note, um, it does make sense from the recruiter's perspective that you would get bombarded, and you have so many things on your plate. And being on the job hunter side, I believe that the responsibility should be shared, or more even on the job hunter side because they are looking for an opportunity. So it is, it would help the person who's seeking the job to take more steps towards the recruiter. So that makes sense.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And with regards to the the length of your journey, how long was it that you were looking for your new role? Um, Give the listeners uh, some insight on that.
3: Oh, yeah, that's not going to be embarrassing at all. So, (laughs) uh, (laughs) well, the first time I was looking for a job after, I mean, I believe I was still in college, but I still wanted to get some experience. So I was looking for months, and I remember feeling like, oh, I, I know I can get, like I just have to like make my resume better and I know like I have these skills so I can get a job um, within a month. And like I, I believe these expectations can sometimes like really ruin your um, progress because I would go with like full force in the first month and then it would like keep decreasing. So now if, if I know that I want a job in like four months down the line, I'll start right now because I like, the back and forth and the interview process is so long and you can't uh, just think that, oh yeah, once I'm out of college, I have a degree. Like I know a lot of it, A lot of times so people get a job right after out of college. And if you take that example as um, a generalization, it's not gonna work. So it's good to just start like beforehand and give it a few months of buffer time. So for me, like, that one month went into at least like 45 months where I was just like going every day and getting less and less um, time invested in there. But I believe with experience, it's good. It's safe to say that just start like five months in advance and give yourself that time.
1: There, there's this rule of thumb that I've heard um, that um, I think fits really well for, I think for every $10,000 of salary, you have to devote at least one week of search. Um, <laughs> Renee, what do you think of that? That it's something um, about,
2: that's about right. That's totally about right. And um, Shabani, you're absolutely right. And a lot of students do not understand this. They wait too late. You know, they wait until graduation day and then they, you know, flip uh-huh. the switch and say, oh, I'm going to look for a job. And it is, you know, I tell them all the time, start early, start often. If you can get internships, if you're an undergrad, get those internship opportunities. Your internship opportunities lead to your full-time jobs. And a lot of people, I I get that we do have career transition folks that can't do an internship, but for the folks who can do an internship, that is like your number one priority in your junior Mm -hmm. year is to get an internship because that internship will likely, if you do a good job and they have the budget, which they typically do, They will want to hire you as a full-time employee. And then, um, you know, with the job search, with the master's degree, folks, start early. It's like, I mean, sometimes the master's degrees are a year, a year and a half. In the first Mm -hmm. couple weeks, you know, you should be out there just looking around. And and granted, a person won't know exactly what they want to do in security, but Mm -hmm. being at the meetups, going to the places, being a part of the community is going to be key but when it is time in a couple of months to kind of start that search. So excellent points
1: there. Um, earlier, yeah. you mentioned yeah. uh, the women encoders in DC uh, Slack channel. Um, mm-hmm. Within that Slack channel, did you just use it for for job hunting or did you use it for mentorship or guidance or uh, anything like that?
3: So I believe that that specific group was strictly for channels. I'm pretty sure that there are other resources. Like I am a part of a LinkedIn group that has a mentor and mentee um, connection group. So they always have a lot of people communicating. Um, however, so far, I haven't like used that resource as much. So I, um, in my personal opinion, I have used, I mean, from a personal experience, I've used um, my ex boss, because I feel like all of my managers have been grateful to them and they are really like, you know, they, they want me to grow. So it's really uh, good to have people like that around you who are guiding you. There's also my CEH instructor um, who was so, I, I believe I just, I can't um, describe how skilled he was and I was always in awe at like how many things he could just like say in the passing that would make me feel like I need like hours of research on what you just said. So it's, it's good to have people like that around you. Uh, and I believe if you don't have like a mentor assigned to you through any of these groups, it's just good to go to a meetup. And there are people who are, you know, just teaching for free. Uh, I believe there was one uh, ce meetup in Nova, um, I believe, uh, what was it called? Noah IT Club. It was in Dresden. So, they they all were, like, really skilled people at, with, like, decades of experience and just there to help the community. So, you will get those people in meetups and it's good to have them uh, just in, in touch, be in touch with them.
2: I love your points about getting the mentors and, and having multiple mentors. And, and I think sometimes people think, like, oh, I just have to have one then you can have you can have folks at all different levels and be able to reach out to them um, to ask for advice. And the, the least amount of, um, you know, effort or not effort, I'm sorry, the least amount that you ask of them, the more likely mm-hmm. they are to, to be able to help. Um, and yeah. I know some folks tend to sometimes get disappointed, like, oh, I have this one mentor and I can't get the time and what have you. And. You know, folks are definitely, uh, from a mentor perspective, really busy dedicating their time and efforts. So, especially when you can get into those meetups and have group, like you said, go to to, to the various local um, um, meetups and connect with people who are in the industry, and they're so willing to help. Yeah. That's my four-year-old in the background, FYI. Back <laughs> on mute for me.
1: Um, so, uh, about your your job journey, you mentioned it took several months. Um, do you do you mind sharing how many places you applied to or how many interviews you went on um, to give our listeners just some perspective on that?
3: Yeah, that's a good question. Um, however, I don't have an accurate count on it. Um, I didn't like keep count on the online applications, certainly because those were way too many. But mm-hmm. um, I do know that after like you get any, like for IT, I had like several thousand of interview for a lot of times, but mm-hmm. the last round usually uh, would just be getting to know you and yes, you're in. So if you're making it to the last round, it's most certainly a yes that's one thing that i saw um but i would say every day i would apply to at least five like this is okay. when i was not you know in full force i would do at least five and if i was like super late like, just starting the first month i was doing 10 a day or 15 a day and i would okay. just like, go on different websites uh, go on linkedin go on indeed monster like every Thing that they listed on Google on the first and second research, like, search result. I just went on each and every one of them and made the most of it. But yeah, I would say that instead of doing that, like you can still do it, you might still like, get something out of it, but try to focus your efforts on something that has proven to give you more results.
1: Do, do you have any tips and tricks to, to share um, with regards to... Formatting your resume for uh, targeting it targeting targeting it to certain job roles, anything like that? Yeah,
3: sure. Um, so one thing for resumes I have seen is um, a lot of people like it's either like I see two extremes. Usually, um, it's like six or seven pages of resume that's just like spread out. Like they just break down each and every task into like five points or it's like super um, like compact. So I usually keep like a rule of thumb that um, if it's like a few months project that I did, then I should have just like two or four points about it. And if it's a longer project, then I have more to listen there. So I have, um, I try to keep it one to two pages, not more than that because recruiters do not really want to go. I, from what I've heard, there might be exceptions, but most of them don't want to go through a seven page resume unless it's like for like a C level position. So, um, so yeah, I I try to have more technical um, specifics instead of just saying that I performed, um, you know, vulnerability testing. I want to use all the tools I used and also use the results that I got or uh, like how I try to like go and fix them. So, It shows, like, both sides, but I want to have more specific information instead of just giving, like, an overview. Uh, They also, like, certifications definitely help because I'm seeing more and more positions that require you to have at least Security+, Plus, at least CEH, at least um, CISSP. Like, it's crazy that sometimes they ask for CISSP for, like, a junior level position because that requires you to have, years of experience and it doesn't match but it's a good idea to have some of them on your resume so that you're able to at least pass that first prerequisite um uh batch
1: yeah definitely i, I would agree with you there i know um myself as well as many in the industry are really fighting back on um certification requirement bloat, as I call it, mm-hmm. um, you, you don't need a CISSP for a, um, <laughs> a junior role. And actually that cert is really geared towards management than exactly. uh, technical folks, but, um, having some of the basics, showing interest, showing curiosity, um, from the hiring manager side are the things that I look for. But one of the points that you touched on when you tailored your resume or you did your resume, uh, showing results. Um, that's definitely something that recruiters love. Um, when you show actions and the results that they gain, rather than just details of what you did.
3: Yes. Uh, one more thing I would like to add to this, because mm-hmm. just because we're talking about certifications, um, if there are people, because I know this program that they had, uh, that we offered in my last company, however, I was just surprised by the number of people who were not aware of it. Uh, it's the WIOA program, W-I-O-A. If you're underemployed, so for students who are uh, working like part-time jobs and are not earning um, you know, a lot of money, then and they still want to get into the industry, they can go through this program, which is funded by the government, and they can get certifications through them so that they still have like good education and good source to put on the resume, but they don't have to pay like thousands of dollars for it. So that was one really helpful thing that I feel like was not marketed <laughs> enough
1: no definitely and um i think the first step though is to try to figure out where you might want to go what sort of transferable skills you have what makes you passionate in the field that way you you get a certification that tailors to your passion rather than um, just one for checking the box Um, we're approaching the end of our time And I wanted to see if um, there's any last words of wisdom that you wanted to share with our listeners about your journey or um, anything like that. Oh, I think we lost her. Um, Renee, I think we lost our- I think we lost
2: her. Yeah, something happened.
1: Okay. Well, um, we, we are approaching the the, top, the bottom of the half hour, so uh, it's a perfect time to wrap up. Um, we want to thank her for her time and, and the tips and tricks that she shared. And if you're interested in, in sharing your story, uh, reach out to Renee or myself. We'll be happy to schedule a time with you and um, have you share your story, your journey, uh, so that you can help inspire others that are coming down. Um, a similar path as yours to help break into cybersecurity. Rene, any last words? Okay. Um, (laughs) So thank you, everyone, and have a great Friday.